You are listening to an episode of For a Time Like This, a podcast series produced by St. Benedict's Table on behalf of and for the sake of the wider church, as together we face the unfolding realities of the COVID-19 global pandemic. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. It's Tuesday, March 17th. Yesterday morning, I sat down for a conversation with Archbishop Linda Nichols, the primate of the Anglican Church of Canada. I wanted to speak to her about her sense of how things were unfolding in the life of the church, what she was hearing, what actions she recommended, what pieces of wisdom or insight might she have to offer. Turned out to be a very helpful conversation indeed. Archbishop Linda Nichols, thank you for taking some time to again talk with us. We're living in a very strange time right now. In Winnipeg, we didn't have to deal with SARS. Southern Ontario, of course, did. So we don't have a recent memory of the kind of um, anxiety and fear and, and measures that the churches are currently putting into place. What are you making of this stress that's really affecting all of us? Yes, this is a terribly anxious time. And I think it's particularly anxious because most of us have not lived through this level of uncertainty. The older adults are mostly boomers. A few remember the Second World War, but most don't remember any other time of such national distress and anxiety. We've not had this kind of major pandemic, although we have had illnesses such as SARS and H1N1 that raised concerns. I myself was quarantined during the SARS crisis here in the Toronto area, and it was uh, frightening, but I think this has captured people even more because it is so globally pervasive and it's affecting every part of our lives. Yeah, I mean, I've been in ordained ministry for 33 years, and never thought that I'd be in a position where we would say, well, we're going to suspend our liturgical gatherings and other meetings for the time being. It's just, wow. We met last night for the last time for the time being, and and you could really feel just that level of stress that folks are feeling. You've just come off of a gatherings of the Council of General Synod. What are you hearing from there in terms of how parishes and dioceses are are responding or feeling? Yes, we had decided to continue with the meeting of the council before the level of restrictions and anxiety had been raised as much as it has in the last week. And so we gathered uh, with some trepidation. Some people chose not to come to our meeting. Others were anxious about what was happening at home. But in the midst of that, I've been hearing stories of incredible creativity, particularly as dioceses made the decision to cancel worship services in a gathered way on Sunday, the 15th of March. Heard stories of people uh, setting up opportunities to broadcast home prayers from the home of the bishop or priest, of priests broadcasting worship in their church 
all alone, but broadcasting it to the community. Uh, a priest who was a musician sitting and playing hymns that would be of comfort and memory to so many. So I think this is going to be an opportunity for the church to dig deep and find resilience and creativity that we had not imagined, especially in this time of technological capacity, where we can be in touch through live streaming, YouTube, FaceTime, and in other ways. Yeah, my colleague Rachel has, has set up daily evening prayer at five o'clock through Facebook, through our Facebook group, and distributed the, the liturgy in advance so that we can pray together, even though we're not literally together. It's kind of a moment to explore the possibilities of technology, I think. It is. Uh, the church has been a little slow on this front. Maybe it takes this kind of crisis to draw us into what would be new ways of connecting. Yeah. Would you say there's a, a response from the national church at this point? I mean, I know individual dioceses are, are implementing their own policies and practices, but is there an overarching Anglican Church of Canada response? Well, as you've said, each diocese has the authority and the right to determine what's best for their context. I would say from a national perspective, the most important thing is to evaluate the risks in your own community and to practice the best possible practices that are being recommended for protecting everyone in the community and particularly those who are most vulnerable. I think this is, uh, it's quite different being in, let's say, a large urban center like Toronto, where people have to assess the risk of public transit, of being in close proximity, of crowds. That's very different than assessing the risks in remote communities where the risk is more of someone who's traveled outside of the community bringing it back into that community. So each community needs to assess its own risks, but at the very least, we need to be prudent about uh, no more um, contact, such as shaking hands, coughing into a sleeve or tissue, practicing extreme prudence around the sharing of the um, common cup, recommending that people not gather in large gatherings. And when you are with people, assessing uh, carefully the distance between you and taking note of all government advisories. In the midst of that, I would say, we are a people of hope and of prayer, and we live in the midst of risks at all times. There is always the risk that those who are vulnerable around us are susceptible to colds, uh, flu, any viruses that are circulating. People who have immune diseases or uh, suppressed immunity are always at risk. And this is a moment to remember that we should be taking some of these precautions at all times. Yeah. One of the things that, that we're aware of, we have a number of people in our community who, who work in healthcare, in hospitals, five folks who work in spiritual care, nurses, a couple of physicians, and they're still going in sort of day in, day out to provide the kind of care that, that people are going to need in, in hospital settings. And it's just really struck me the degree to which we need to be grateful for that commitment and also to, to hold them in prayer. Yes, all our healthcare workers, uh, we owe them a debt of immense gratitude for the way in which they 
take that responsibility so seriously and put themselves and their families at risk by being willing to be in the midst of those who are ill at this time. And I'm not sure we always are as thankful as we ought to be for their commitment and the commitment of those in leadership who are giving us models of how to behave. I'm particularly grateful for the prime minister taking that leadership in the midst of the coronavirus being in the midst of his own family. Yeah, there there was something very striking about that. And when he spoke from the steps of uh, Rideau Cottage the other day on CBC, I was really taken by the the humanness and candor in his voice. Yes. And man, that's in times like these, to, to hear that from, from your leaders, is that's just really meaningful. And I think that's why it behooves those of us who are in pastoral leadership to be speaking to our parishioners and any others who are near with voices that are both calm and strong and giving leadership to the kinds of practices that are best for the whole community. And that's why many of our bishops and dioceses have made decisions to cancel gathered worship, even though the government level of risk is still listed as low and the numbers compared to the population still seem to be low. But it is better to be proactive and ahead and uh, saying we're going to make sure we're protecting everybody in our community. Yeah, it's not about kind of getting into a bubble to protect me Last night, I, I spoke to this a little bit in, in our liturgy and said, it, when you hear the word self-isolation, that can feel very, very much like I'm protecting me, whereas it seems to me it's almost more like a, a flu vaccination. You do it, yes, maybe to keep yourself safe, but also so that you're not transmitting to other people. So maybe we're in a stage of almost social inoculation rather than isolation, to put the positive spin on it. Yes, When the SARS crisis happened, I had been in the hospital that was one of the epicenters. I had not been anywhere near a floor that had SARS on it, but the public announcement was that anyone who had been in the hospital should self-isolate and report. And my initial reaction was, well, I wasn't anywhere near it, and, and is that really necessary? And then I immediately thought, no, wait a minute. This is not about me. This is about both witnessing to what we are asking everyone to do, and it's about protection regardless of what I may evaluate the risk as being. And so that's why I took that step of self-isolating at that time. It actually happened twice during the SARS crisis. And by doing that, we're saying that we are thinking beyond ourselves. And it's the same today uh, in our staff in Church House. We are inviting staff to speak with their supervisors if they have concerns about the virus. We're recognizing that different staff have different family situations so that their vulnerability and risk level may be in a different place than their neighbor in the staff. And so we're trying to work with all possibilities of working from home where that's possible, of keeping social distancing um, where that's available and prudent, and um, at the same time, asking how do we continue the work of the national office in a way that supports dioceses and parishes. We're in the season of Lent. Maybe there's an irony to, to suspending liturgies and, and, and gatherings in, in a, a season that is a season in the wilderness. It's a season meant to be desert time, to explore those deep desert themes. 
liturgically, we know that it's heading towards Easter. What word might you speak to a Lenten people heading toward Easter, but uncertain if by Easter we'll be in a place where much has changed? What's our hope? Well, our hope is that there is nothing that can separate us from the love, love of God in Christ Jesus. My favorite verses, Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor depth nor anything else in all creation is able to separate us from that love of God in Jesus Christ. And I think in these times of uncertainty, we have to hold to that and hold to the reality that Easter brings that out of death, God brings new life. So out of this experience of, for some, a sense of despair or the deep anxiety of uncertainty, that with God at our side, there is nothing that cannot come through that into a a place of new life and hope. And so we as Christians hold that up. It doesn't mean we're protected. It, It doesn't mean that there's a guarantee we won't be sick or experience um, hard times, but it does say we are not alone, either in a community of others, but also we are not alone because right with us is God. And in that spirit, would you uh, would you offer a word of prayer? Yes. God of compassion and grace, in this time when our hearts are filled with anxiety fear for ourselves and others. We cling to the promise that you are with us. Nothing can separate us from your love. And we lift up to you all those who live in this time of fear. For those who are ill, we ask your comfort and healing presence. For those who are caregivers and healthcare workers, we ask for your calm, your grace, and for those in leadership making difficult decisions moment by moment and day by day, we ask your wisdom. And for the whole global community of your people, we ask your deep peace. And we know we can bring all these things before you because we come in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Be well, my friend. Thank you for this. Thank you very much, Jamie. God bless you and all who are listening and share with us in this time. Take care. You've been listening to For a Time Like This a podcast series produced by St. Benedict's Table. My thanks to Archbishop Linda Nichols for making the time to sit down and do this with me today. We are tracking this developing issue and will update you in the coming days. For now, please consult the show notes for links to other resources and information. Do check out our landing page for a time like this which curates those resources and other podcasts. I'm Jamie Howison. Thanks for listening.